Who's behind this lady's disappearance? Russian gangsters, the CIA, or was it human sacrifice? Susan Walsh was born in 1960. She attended William Patterson University where she studied English and writing and she worked at the college newspaper. To help pay for her tuition, she'd also begun working as a stripper and it was said that she took drugs during her time at college, although she did graduate with a bachelor's degree in 1988. And from there, she tried to make it as a writer. Sometimes she got freelance gigs writing for technical and business magazines, but her career did not soar. Later, she managed to get work with Screw magazine, which was described as a weekly pornographic tabloid-style publication. In 1984, she married Mark Walsh, the brother of the Eagles band member Joe Walsh. They had a son together in 1985 called David. When their relationship disintegrated, they began to live separately, and at the time of her unexplained disappearance, her husband lived in an apartment directly below Susan's in Nutley, New Jersey. Susan was enrolled at New York University where she was taking a master's degree and she was still working as a stripper to make ends meet, while also trying to get writing gigs. She'd recently lost sobriety after being free of drink and drugs for 11 years. It was July the 16th, 1996, when Susan vanished. That day, she told her living boyfriend Christian, who claimed to be a vampire, that she was just popping out to make a phone call. In those days, there were no mobile phones and she had a pager for people to reach her on. She took her son downstairs to leave him in the care of her ex-husband and left the apartment building to use one of the phone boxes down the road. She never returned. The European Independent said people always used to spot Susan Walsh on the avenue with her sandals and sheet of blonde hair. She would stride by, leather jacket hanging open. Somewhere on this strip of sidewalk, Walsh suddenly slipped from view. In the weeks and months prior to Susan's disappearance, she'd been a researcher for a new book that had just been published. The subject of the book was Women Working in the Sex Industry by James Ridgway and Sylvia Plackey. Susan had also spent months researching for an article for the Village Voice magazine on the Russian influence on strip clubs in New York. In addition, she'd also been investigating the vampire subculture in New York after editor of the Village Voice, James Ridgway, got a tip-off about blood going missing in the city hospitals. The Independent said, Walsh claimed to have found adults with office jobs drinking other adults' blood in cramped New York flats. Sometimes they stole it from the hospitals. However, Ridgway refused to publish her vampire article on the grounds that he did not consider it to have substantiated evidence to make it a credible article. Ridgway also said that he did not find it impartial or balanced enough either. Although after Susan disappeared, Ridgway did say that she was a thorough researcher and reliable when she had been working for him. However, he also noted that, in his opinion, she appeared to be going downhill mentally in the last few weeks. Why she disappeared was a cryptic mystery, and there seemed to be many possibilities. Were the Russian mafia involved? Had she been abducted by a customer she danced for? Had she overdosed on drugs? Or did it have something to do with vampire cults? It was reported that at the time of her disappearance, mobsters from Russia had for months been trying to take over the sex industry in New York and New Jersey, and there were rumours that girls were being lured from Russia through adverts promising to get them dancing jobs in New York, only for these jobs to turn out to be jobs as strippers. Had Susan probed too far into the dangerous world of organised crime, or was her fascination with vampire clubs her undoing? 
Any organised crime network wouldn't look too kindly into a journalist poking her nose into their affairs when making money was their prime objective. Her father, Floyd Merchant, said this opened up a threat to her. She believed two contracts had been issued for her murder after the story appeared in the village voice. She feared for her life. But Susan had also told friends that someone was stalking her, although she implied this was an ex-boyfriend, and it was said by those who knew her well that Susan lived a complicated life. She didn't have a car, she couldn't afford taxis, and close friends said she would often accept rides from clients at her strip clubs where she danced. These men were anonymous and Susan was surely taking a big risk by doing this. Had one of these men who paid to watch her strip become infatuated with her and very dangerous obsession? Some of Susan's friends said she enjoyed the high drama of her life, though she often said how much she hated having to strip for money. Her high-risk lifestyle from dancing to her underground investigations, along with her drug-taking, seemed to make her increasingly on edge. And she would often say things in the weeks before her death, like the CIA and mobsters were after her, as well as her stalkers. It seemed to be a myriad of swirling players, but which of it was real? And where were the biggest threats coming from? A friend from her college days, Ed Sullivan, has written extensive posts about her disappearance and the person that she was, in his opinion, on his personal blog. He says, I knew her well enough. He did in college, at least, although he doesn't seem to have been around for her after that. But he says, I knew her well enough to distrust obvious explanations for anything she said at school. She created whole dramas incorporating unsuspecting victims to play various parts, leaving people confused, alarmed and angry at each other as she waltzed away. While this sounds quite harsh, most of those who knew her said in various interviews and publications that she did seem to thrive on drama. He said, I also knew she had vanished before. She had a habit of disappearing at college. He says that after she disappeared this time, when he called at her apartment, her 21-year-old boyfriend, self-proclaimed vampire Christian, believed that some dark force had stolen her from him. But Ed Sullivan also says she seemed determined to destroy herself, hiding the real danger behind myths of CIA plots and stalking of old boyfriends. Her contribution to Red Light, which was the book about sex workers, may have made her a little too dangerous to be left walking around the streets. Well, it's interesting to note that he says, as most people who knew her have, that she would always go to a phone booth a couple of blocks away. Her movements were quite predictable then. So if someone had been watching her, and it does indicate that she could have been easy to keep track of and to potentially abduct. Sullivan says Melissa, one of her best friends, a former dancer too, is convinced someone she knew yanked her into a cab and drove away with her. Others say she wandered off in a kind of mental fugue. Others think perhaps she overdosed, but if so, surely her body would have been found at some point by someone. Sullivan claims to have spoken to her neighbour, Rizzo, who said it seemed like Susan was depressed, but also excited, as if she expected something to happen and was waiting for it, and then, puff, she's gone. Sullivan adds, she'd worked on a paper column with her son, so she knew influential people locally. He ponders why it took a while for the police to do an actual investigation after she vanished. He says, had someone actually tried to scratch the story before her vanishing hit the front page of the Daily News? Was someone trying to make sure no charge against a local official could be taken seriously? He means, had someone with influence and power silenced her? Or, he wonders, because of the location she went to for her job in the clubs and for her underground research, Had she stumbled upon truly depraved men during numerous journeys into the underworld, he asks. 
Well, whether influential or powerful, Melissa said that she thought she was being held somewhere. Of Susan's investigation into vampires, her former editor James Ridgway said she believed a lot of the things that these guys were telling her about how they were secret murders and so on in the vampire world. She was discovering that these vampires would meet in newly springing up clubs in New York, drinking human blood and even, it was said, killing people as human sacrifices. She would come to me and say, I met these guys and they've got this van and it's very scary. I don't know whether I should go in their van. Just before Susan's disappearance, she had attended a launch party for the book she'd helped research for Ridgeway. Some people there were curious when they noticed that Susan had bandages on both wrists. Had she allowed vampires to feed on her blood? Or had she attempted suicide? Or at least made a half-hearted attempt as a desperate cry for help? Was her mental state completely deteriorating? Some said Susan had been very disappointed that she'd not been given more credit for her work on the book. She was now 36 years old, an age at which perhaps it was unusual for a woman to still be working as a stripper. Was she getting even more worried about making a living as she got older? Her writing gigs had never paid enough to sustain her and her son. Her ex-husband was a musician, but it doesn't seem that he provided very much financially for her and her son, unless he did and Susan was spending it on drink and drugs, although she had been clean for the previous 11 years. But those around her said her biggest concern was her failure to provide for her son, and she was still trying to make it as a full-time writer, a career she'd wanted since her college days. The New York Daily News reported on August the 5th, 1999, a missing New Jersey stripper desperate to establish herself as an investigative reporter disappeared while researching article on Manhattan's sadomasochistic vampire scene, her mother said. Detectives have been pursuing Walsh's ties to the seamy subculture in which young clubgoers pierce each other's skin and drink human blood in a practice called feeding. Nutley police officer Nick Ugliaro said of Walsh's vampire ties, it's definitely an issue, but detectives are chasing a number of leads, that's just one. The newspaper said the Essex County Prosecutor's Office was treating her disappearance as a homicide. Her mother, Martha Young, told the newspaper that her daughter had sought help for her problems attending Alcoholics Anonymous. She said she reached out for help and I'm proud of her for that. Perhaps someone who attended AA was behind her disappearance. On the TV show Disappeared, it was explained that when Susan went to the phone box, she took nothing with her. That she didn't look like she was going to plan to disappear. Her son was only 11 years old, and everyone said she doted on him. Floyd Merchant, Susan's father, said she'd not willingly disappeared, for there had been no obvious planning. All her belongings were left in her apartment, along with her personal notebook. Her filmmaker friend, Jill Morley, said the clubs Susan worked at were called Aftermath and Plato's Retreat. Jill was also an exotic dancer. She'd made a documentary called Stripped before Susan vanished and Susan had been in this documentary. Jill said that Susan had struggled with addiction and that she'd been picked up for possession in the past. Well, in the footage of the documentary, Susan is interviewed and she says she's just recently started drinking again because of the dancing. She said it was too painful. She said that she wants a proper job, but because her health is so bad, she would be calling in sick every day. Two days later, she was gone. In the documentary, her pager is going off. She laughs and says, oh, that's probably my stalker. Well, the police lieutenant, Nutley, said she had made several reports where she thought she had a stalker. Her friends said she admitted getting rides home from men in the audience at her clubs, 
And Melissa Hines, Susan's best friend, said she felt that because Susan's notebook and purse was left in the apartment, that whatever happened to Susan happened in the apartment. 21-year-old Christian, the vampire who'd been living with her, said that he'd been watching a movie with her son David when Susan went out. He said that after the movie ended at 1.45, he went out too and waited for a bus at the bus stop. The police said a couple of assaults had been filed after Susan had claimed she'd been assaulted by men at her apartment. Some ex-boyfriends of Susan had assaulted Christian, it was claimed. There had been some restraining orders in place, but the police said they were not connected. The police said both her boyfriend and her ex-husband had fully cooperated with them. Several witnesses came forward claiming to have seen Susan on the day she disappeared, including an employee from the pizza parlour across the street from her apartment. Detective Ridgway said the pizza employee saw her going back in the building of the apartment. When the newspapers began to report on her disappearance, lots of people came forward to say that they'd seen her selling herself on the streets of Newark and Jersey City. One month after she disappeared, a prostitute in Newark came forward to say that she'd seen Susan. The prostitute was an informant, according to Lieutenant John Ryan. The woman said that Susan had been living with her for the past two weeks, that she'd given Susan somewhere to stay. The lieutenant believed her, and he said that this informant knew some facts about Susan that hadn't been given to the newspapers. He said that to this day, I don't have anybody else who could have known about this, unless she'd been with Susan. He said the informant said Susan had told her that if she was made to go home, she would kill herself. Susan's friend Melissa Hines, however, believed the informant fabricated the story to get money. The lieutenant said at least a dozen other people were able to pick out Susan's photo from a lineup of photos and would tell him she had been seen there just hours ago. The lieutenant said that from these accounts, it seemed that Susan was homeless and selling herself on the streets for drugs and food and that she wasn't doing very well. People said that her whole focus was her son. It was all she talked about to people who claimed they'd seen her. After Susan's disappearance, her friend, the documentary maker Jill Morley, claimed that she too went undercover in the clubs that Susan worked at and started asking questions. She said that she was told, you might want to stop asking questions unless you want to disappear too. Susan's next research story had been the vampires. Editor Ridgway had sent her to a couple of clubs to investigate, but he said it turned out to be a total waste of time. Or did Susan discover things that she would have been too afraid to include in her article? Things that were too dangerous for her to know? At one of the book launch parties, Susan told several people there that she was worried about her safety. Was she creating drama like her old college friend had accused her of being in the habit of? Or was it genuinely something very sinister? She thought somebody was after her and she apparently offered several possibilities. She said that the CIA, the Russian mob, or undercover FBI contacts, were after her. While her friend, the documentary maker Jill Morley, said she believed that Susan had become addicted to drugs and was putting herself in dark situations. She said Susan was always stuck on adventure like she was in a movie. I don't think she really thought about the reality of the danger that she put herself in. Lieutenant Steve Rogers, who reopened the cold case in 2003, said he found a letter that she'd written to her son saying, If anything happens to me, I love you. On the day Susan disappeared, some people said they saw Susan return to the apartment after making her phone call, while others came forward to say they'd seen Susan getting into a limousine. 
Hines said, I definitely think it was her. I'm positive that I saw Susan a month after she disappeared. Detective Ryan followed up on Melissa's information. He said, a license plate number that Hines provided to us, we did track down. We spoke to the owner and operator of that vehicle. He had been with a woman fitting the description of Susan. He did few photographs and felt pretty sure that it had been her, but we had no positive identification of Susan at the time. If it was Susan, did the police ever find out why she was getting into this limo a month after she disappeared? Was he the owner or just the driver? Who was he? What was his story? Or was it just someone who looked like Susan? The New Zealand Herald wrote, She was seen for a few moments walking past the next door garage of wheezing buses under the telegraph poles and over the crossroads towards the nearest pair of public phones, which stood unprotected by glass right between the road and a trucker's car park. But no one saw her make the call. Just beyond the phones, there is a grey and white building with no ground floor windows. It's a bar. Walsh worked there. The journalist who took on a strip club ring then disappeared, they say. The Independent says, as a go-go club manager put it in Ridgeway's book, the girls you don't see anymore, it's because those girls found something out, or maybe were let in on it, or maybe overheard a conversation about something that was going down. They'll get rid of her. When the police looked through Susan's belongings in her apartment, they noticed that on her wall calendar, the page for the month of July had been torn out and was missing. Who had torn it out? And why? Was it Susan or someone else? And what was written on it? Ten years after her disappearance, Brad Hamilton of Newsblaze wrote, Cops in New Jersey say they've got promising new clues and are re-interviewing key players, including the half-brother of rock legend band member of the Eagles. He said last month they quizzed her estranged husband about the night she vanished. Cops say Mark Walsh is not a suspect, but has refused to allow forensic tests on the apartment where he still lives. They claim fresh evidence has them closer to cracking the case and are seeking to use sonar to search for her body. They'll scour a reservoir behind Mark Walsh's dad's house in nearby Montclair, where Susan Walsh used to stroll. It seems that the forensic analysis of the apartment did later go ahead, presumably no incriminating evidence was found. CNN reported that Detective Rogers, who became involved in the case in 2003, said no one actually saw her leave the house, no one saw her on the phone. Looking at this with a fresh set of eyes reveals a set of facts that's very troubling. There's another aspect of it too. Christian Peppo, who lived with Susan, alleged that she was being stalked and harassed by a crazed ex-boyfriend, Billy Walker, according to Hamilton of Blaze News, 10 years on from her disappearance. He said her brother alleged that Susan had a tape recording of Walker threatening her life. Walker, a coke addict who ran with a biker group and once penned a confession to chopping up bodies for the mob, had, according to Christian, called Susan repeatedly on the weeks leading up to her disappearance. Though Susan feared him, Susan allegedly had gone back to doing drugs and having sex with Walker, Peppo, Christian, said, according to Newsblaze. And now comes the craziest part. So Hamilton says, but Walsh, Susan, hatched a plan to get rid of Walker. He, Christian, said. So Christian says that she knew mobsters at the Newark strip club where she danced and her scheme was to expose Walker as a rat and blackmail the gangsters into killing him. Christian said, I told her don't do it. They might kill Billy, but they'll kill you too. She didn't listen. Is that true? 
If she did initiate this plan, did it backfire on her? Was this the real reason for Susan's disappearance? Was she killed by gangsters in a plot that backfired? Or did she get into a van driven by vampires who carried out human sacrifices? Or was she killed by a mysterious man into whose limousine she entered? Susan still remains missing.